Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Sir, I want to read you something. I'm working, Marcella. Dear Points High alumni, can you believe it's been 10 years since you left Gross Point? Don't tease me, you know what I do for a living. I just honestly don't know what I have in common with those people anymore. And what am I going to say? I killed the president of Paraguay with a fork. How have you been? Go see some old friends. Have some punch. Visit with what's-her-name? Debbie. Don't kill anybody for a few days. See what it feels like. I'll give it a shot. No, no, don't give it a shot. Don't shoot anything. I, uh, I'm a pet psychiatrist. I sell couch insurance. I lead a weekend men's group. We specialize in ritual killings. Hi, I'm Martin. You remember me? Oh, I know who you are. What I miss? What, since you stood me up on prom night and vanished without a word? Home. I got you, Yeah, I'm putting together a little concern. You mean like a union? Right You're in trouble. Right Just a moment. Welcome back, Pointer. You haven't changed a bit. Don't say that. <laughs> what do you do, Martin? Professional killer. Oh, good for you, it's a... Industry. Do you have to do postgraduate work for that, or can you can you jump right in? There's a contract out in your life, but I'm not going to do it. It's either because I'm in love with your daughter, or I have a newfound respect for life. That punk is either in love with that guy's daughter, or he has a newfound respect for life. Debbie, I'm in love with you. But I know we can make this relationship work. It's not easy for me. I always control my emotions. I just need time to change. Why don't you just join the union? This union is going to be meetings. Of course. No meetings. I want you to think about this, and you don't have to answer it now. But Debbie, will you marry me? Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Gross Point Blank from 1997. Now, the studio is Buena Vista Pictures. The release date was April 11th, 1997. The running time, 107 minutes. The rating is R. The budget was $15 million, and the box office was $28 million, making it the 74th ranked movie of 1997. Rotten Tomatoes gave it 80% fresh from 70 reviews. The critics' consensus is a high-concept high school reunion movie with an adroitly cast John Cusack and armed with a script of incisive wit. Roger Ebert gave the movie two and a half out of four stars, and here's his review. John Cusack is one of those rare actors who can convincingly look as if he is thinking about words in many syllables. He seems smart, and that's crucial for the character he plays in Gross Point Blank. Because like so many really smart people, this one is clueless about matters of the heart. Cusack plays Martin Q. Blank, a professional assassin who is more articulate while discussing his kills with a shrink than explaining to his high school sweetheart why he stood her up at the prom. As the movie opens, he's preparing to do a job with a high-powered rifle while simultaneously discussing his busy schedule with his office manager, played by his real-life sister, Joan Cusack. She thinks he should attend his 10th high school reunion in the Detroit suburb of Gross Point, Michigan. He thinks not. 
He misses on the assassination attempt, however, and that leads to an interesting coincidence. He can redeem himself by pulling the job, another job in Detroit, killing two birds, so to speak, with one stone. He discusses his plight with his psychiatrist, played by Alan Arkin, a man alarmed to learn he has a hitman for a client. I don't think what a person does for a living is necessarily who he is, Blank observes reassuringly, but the shrink gives the impression of a man constantly holding himself in readiness to take a bullet. Cusack plays Blank as a man who entered his chosen profession with good life skills and high spirits, but is now beginning to entertain doubts about its wisdom as a lifelong career. He has no qualms about killing people, someone has to do it, and as a character in the film observe, it's a growth industry. But for him, it's getting to be the same old, same old. Against his better judgment, he, he caves in and heads for Michigan. Gross Point may, may hold the key to why Martin's life it seems on hold. Unfinished business waits for him there, a woman named Debbie, played by Minnie Driver, whom he loved in high school but stood up at the senior prom. Tooling through town in a rented car, he hears her voice on the radio and is soon peering through the window of the local radio station. She's a DJ, who smoothly segs into asking her listeners how she should feel when her prom date turns up ten years late. Another major player in Martin's life is Mr. Grocer, played by Dan Aykroyd, also a professional assassin who wants Martin to join a union he is forming. We should be working together, for Christ's sakes, making big money, killing important people. He is also in Gross Point, possibly on the same assignment. And soon, Blank and Grocer are seated uneasily across from each other at a diner, both armed and both dangerous, mostly to each other. The film takes form, but not the feel of a comic thriller. It's quirkier than that. The underlying plot, which also involves Martin being foreshadowed by assorted mysterious types who want to kill him, is not original. But the screenplay by Cusack, Tom Jankiewicz, and others uses that story as a backdrop for Martin Blank's wry behavior. It's not often that a film about professional killers has a high school reunion dance as its centerpiece, and rarer still that the hero kills someone during the dance and disposes of the body in the school boiler. I enjoyed the exchanges between Cusack and Driver as the couple on a long-delayed date. Affection still smolders between them, and, and it was sexy the way Driver casually put an arm around Cusack's shoulders, her hand resting possessively on the back of his neck. I like the dialogue, too, and the assortment of classmates they encounter. Have you ever noticed that whatever odd qualities your friends had in high school seem to grow as the years go by? Despite these qualities, the movie, for me, is a near miss. One of the problems is the conclusion, in which things are resolved with an elaborate action sequence. This sequence may have been intended ironically, but the gunshots are just as loud as if they were sincere. Too many movies end like video games, with the characters popping up and shooting each other. Gross Point Blank, which takes such a detached view towards killing and has such an articulate hero, could have done better. And that's the end of his review. So for me, I don't actually believe I saw this in the theater when it first came out, but I saw it on video rental a few years later. Actually, it was my college radio partner, Leah, from the Brian and Leah time, the BLT, that uh, played this soundtrack a lot on our show because the music is very 80s theme, which I loved. And so after hearing the soundtrack, I figured I'd enjoy the movie itself. And of course, I did. 
All right, let's get into the main cast. Of course, you have John Cusack, who plays Martin Blank. And and by this point in his career, Cusack was a well-established actor and not just remembered for his teen roles in the 80s. However, those are the roles that are terrific, including Sixteen Candles, The Sure Thing, Better Off Dead, One Crazy Summer, and Say Anything. In my opinion, it was his role as Buck Weaver in Eight Men Out that really steered him out of the teen roles of the 80s. Minnie Driver plays Debbie Newberry, and she was born in London, but she started her career acting on, of course, British TV shows, though her first big movie was a bit role in the James Bond film Goldeneye, which was the first James Bond movie with Pierce Brosnan in 1995. But really, her breakout role would come the next year in the movie Sleepers with Kevin Bacon, Brad Pitt, Robert De Niro, and Dustin Hoffman. Dan Aykroyd plays Grocer, and Aykroyd was considered a comic legend in Hollywood by this point, but in the mid-90s, he was starting to take more character roles instead of leading parts. In the case of Gross Point Blank, that totally works for him. Much better than, say, Blues Brothers 2000 a few years later. Joan Cusack plays Marcella, and she is by far one of my favorite character actors ever. She makes every movie she's in better, and Gross Point Blank is no different. A quick rundown of my favorite films that she has appeared in up to this movie. My Bodyguard, Sixteen Candles, Working Girl, and Say Anything. Alan Arkin plays Dr. Oatman, and Arkin had been acting in films since the 1960, though he's one of those rare actors that actually achieved more notoriety with the roles much later in his career than when he was in his 20s and 30s. Some of his early notable films include Catch-22, The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming, and Wait Until Dark. The director of this film is George Armitage, and he's best known for this film, Gross Point Blank, though he would become a director in the early 1970s through his affiliation with the legendary Roger Corman. His other best-known film is 1990's Miami Blues, starring Alec Baldwin. The story, or the co-screenwriter, was Tom Jankowitz, and Gross Point Blank would be his only screenwriting credit as he came up with the initial story back in 1991 after attending his 10-year high school reunion. At this time, Jankowitz was actually a substitute teacher and a cashier at Big Lots before his script was picked up. I always love hearing stories like that. All right, let's just get right into the movie. So the movie starts off with a song we've heard a million times, but it still works well in movies, and that is the 1972 hit, I Can See Clearly Now, from Johnny Nash. The movie starts with Martin talking to Marcella, and then kind of interesting that John and Joan have a name, and Martin and Marcella have an M in their name. I think that was probably done on purpose. Marcella is essentially Martin's assistant setting up the jobs he does, and uh, of course, Joan Cusack and John Cusack have been in 10 movies together, and we discover that in the film, Martin is a hitman who is currently on a job. For this particular case, he's actually taking out another hitman who is trying to assassinate some sort of uh, dignitary. And so the comedy really comes from Marcella informing that Martin has his high, high school reunion coming up in the middle of the hit, just like Ebert said. However, Dan Aykroyd ends up being the backup and is actually uh, completes the job the original hitman was supposed to complete. Are you confused yet? Well, it doesn't really matter. You should just watch the movie. In any case, Aykroyd is Martin's competition and wants to combine forces in order to avoid messy jobs like what just happened. Martin, where are you? Budapest. Ah, city of cathedrals. Yeah, I see you right there on the bridge of the Danube, kid. I kind of like to talk to you, you know. Well, right, why don't you email me? Ah, uh, kind of like a, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, kind of a face-to-face -face type of thing, you like know. Do it personally? Yeah, I'd love to see, you know what I mean, kid? Let's, let's do it. How you doing, kid? How are you? Yeah. 
Hey, mental telepathy, uh, astral projection, you know. Here you are. <laughs> right. What do you want? Kid, I'm putting together a little concern, which would uh, enable those of us in our rarefied profession to avoid uh, embarrassing overlaps. What, like a union? Yeah, more like a club. Work less, make more. That's a great idea, but um, thank you, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Remember Burma? Yeah, I do. That nut General Quang. You were like a colonel in that army or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> you sold you all those tanks and shipped them to Alabama? Yeah. T-34s, I took a bath on that. Yeah, that was fun. That's what I'm talking about, kid. We could be working together again, for God's sake. You know, making big money, killing important people. I want to structure an arrangement where you get, like, you know, shares, original shares in the ground floor. And you would be the president of this organization, or maybe just a father figure to me. Hey, if you want a father, I'll give you a spanking. Yeah, forget about it. Look, the employers are getting us a lot cheaper, because yeah. there's so many more of us. Well, after the Berlin thing, what can you do? Soviet bloc collapse. The market's right. flooded. Okay, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at consolidated bargaining, okay? Mm. Look, I don't want to play against you. This thing is real. How real? Moranga brothers, uh, them uh, East German ecstasy guys. Oh, I don't like those guys. Them uh, butch Filipino ladies. The little, uh, the dwarf uh, made the... Stabbers. Queens at a hotel hip, you know. You got a great crew. Everybody's in. Yeah, well, not me, so don't paw at me with your dirty little guild. All right, well, you know, life's full of second chances. And uh, here's chance two for you. You think about coming in with me. Mm -hmm. You ponder, okay? I'll think about it. Because either way, I'm going to get you, kid. Yeah, get what? Get back. Hey, <laughs> bing, 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 bang. Popcorn. Yeah, whatever. Nice to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too, buddy. You like that Pacific Northwest country, all the mist and that up there? Haven't been there in years. <laughs> Catch you. Yeah, you look great. Nice to see you again. <laughs> Drive safe. As I said in the Best Character Actors episode, Joan Cusack was one of my top picks, and this movie is yet another reason why. She is just awesome in every scene she's in. You know, when you start getting invited to your 10-year high school reunion, time is catching up. Are you talking about a sense of my own mortality or a fear of death? Well, I never really thought about it quite like that. Did you go to yours? Yes, I did. It was just as if everyone had swelled. Why are you so interested in me going to my reunion? I just find it amusing that you came from somewhere. Bye. Gross Point Blank is pretty much the epitome of a dark comedy as you see the killings going on but you're almost unfazed by it since the high school reunion angle keeps popping up. So Marcella schedules a job in Detroit in order for Martin to attend his reunion. Alan Arkin plays Martin Shrink and like Joan Cusack, Alan Arkin is a tremendous character actor as well. I got invited to my 10 year high school reunion. I'm conflicted, I mean I don't know if I really want to go. It's in Detroit. I honestly don't know what I have in common with those people anymore. I mean, or with anyone, really. I mean, they'll all have husbands and wives and children and houses and dogs, and, you know, they'll made themselves a part of something, and they can talk about what they do, and what am I going to say? I killed the president of Paraguay with a fork. How have you been? I'm just thinking it'll be depressing. It'll be depressing. Shouldn't you be taking notes or something? I'm not taking notes, Martin, because I'm not your doctor. Please don't start with that stuff again. Martin, I'm emotionally involved with you. How are you emotionally involved with me? I'm afraid of you. You're afraid of me. And that constitutes an emotional involvement, and it would be unethical for me to work with you under those circumstances. Don't you think maybe you're just upset because I told you what I do for a living, and you got upset, and you're letting it interfere with our dynamic? Whoa. 
Martin, you didn't tell me what you did for a living. For yes, I did. You didn't tell me what you did for a living for four sessions. Then you told me. And I said, I don't want to work with you. And yet you come back every week at the same time. That's a difficulty for me. On top of that, if you've committed a crime or if you're thinking about committing a crime, I have to tell the authorities. I know the law, okay? But I don't want to be withholding. I'm very serious about this process. And I know where you live. All on us. That wasn't a nice thing to say. That wasn't designed to make me feel good. That's a kind of a not-too-subtle intimidation, and I, uh, I get filled with anxiety when you talk about something like that. Come on, I mean, that's... Come on. I was just kidding, all right? The thought never crossed my mind. You did think of it, Martin. You thought of it, and then you said it. And now I'm left with, uh, with the aftermath of that, thinking I gotta, I gotta be creative in a really interesting way now, or Martin's gonna blow my brains out. You're holding me hostage here. That's not right. I just want to work. Okay, there's some issues that I need to work on in my life. I've read your books, your bestsellers on the top 20. They were both ghostwritten, Martin. What, The Annihilation of Death? Yeah. Kill Who, A Warrior's Dilemma? I read it, New York Times top 20. Well, I don't, I don't know what to say. Well, what do you say to other patients, you know? I don't know, how does it work? Ask me how I'm feeling. How do you feel? I'm feeling uneasy, man. Um, I'm just dispassionate, I'm bored. I'm, it's hard to stay in a good mood. I've had problems at work, you know, concept execution stuff and just ill at ease. Well, look, Martin, I don't want to suggest anything that might be uncomfortable for you, but you might consider, just consider the possibility that part of your problem, part of the thing that's making you so miserable is the angst over killing a lot of people. Maybe I just put it in the background there. Come on. If I show up at your door, chances are you did something to bring me there. Okay? I don't care about that stuff. You don't care about what stuff? You know, morality. Hmm. I don't want to talk about work, because I don't think necessarily what a person does for a living reflects who he is. So what do we do? We talk about dreams or what's next? What's next? What's the score here? We'll talk about dreams. We can talk about dreams. It's your nickel. Sure. Um, I had another one about Debbie. That girl you're obsessed with? Don't you think obsessed is a strong word? Uh, recurring dreams of loss and pain for 10 years featuring the same person? Yeah, maybe it's a bit excessive. Um, I had one where I was uh, that television mechanical rabbit. You know, with the... The, the... the battery bunny. Yeah, I was the bunny. That sounds like a very, very depressed dream. Really? Yes. Why? Martin, it's a terrible dream. It's a depressing dream to dream about that rabbit. It's got no brain. It's got no blood. It's got no anima. It just keeps banging on those meaningless symbols endlessly and going and going and going. Time is up. T time's up already? Do you want to do a half a session? Can we just pretend like we have a normal doctor-patient relationship? I'll ask you a piece of advice. You give me an answer. You know, advice. Should I go to the reunion? Yes, yes. Get out of town. Thank you. Go see some old friends. Have some punch. Visit with what's-her-name? Debbie. Debbie, don't kill anybody for a few days. See what it feels like. I'll give it a shot. No, no, don't give it a shot. Don't shoot anything. What often makes good movies great is having a great supporting cast. And Gross Point Blank, again, has an amazing supporting cast. In many ways, they are as good, if not better, than the two main stars. So Dan Aykroyd finds out that the Detroit job has been taken by Martin, uh, which he originally thought was his. And then we get one of the best alternative songs from the 1980s, Blister in the Sun, from the Violent Femmes. It also plays at the end of the film. And I think I remember 
We are playing that a lot on our radio show, which was an 80s theme radio show for college. So we find out that Debbie, played by Minnie Driver, is a local radio disc jockey in Gross Point, which is probably why I liked her character so much when I first saw this, because that was my ideal career at that point in my life. And so, as I've said before, and you can go back and listen to various episodes where we actually posted full-length shows from my college radio days. Go check that out. Anyway, Martin had been obsessing over Debbie since high school, since he left her stranded at the prom. Martin finds out that his childhood house is now a convenience store, which is a funny bit. And then as he goes to visit, Guns N' Roses' version of Live and Let Die is playing. It's a great scene as the song transitions from the Guns N' Roses version to an elevator Muzak version of the same song once he enters the store. Mrs. Ken, you were young and your heart shift what's it look like how long have you worked here a couple months yeah is the manager here do you have a supervisor no how long have they worked here i'm not telling you yeah where do you live i'm not telling you that either where's your manager live who i used to what what are you doing here what i work here what are you doing here i work here and how long have you worked here only a couple months all right all right what's done is done let's forget about the whole thing you all right, man? Sure. Sure. Hello, this is Dr. Oatman. If you'd like to leave a message, I will get back to you shortly. Dr. Oatman, please pick up, pick up. It's Martin Blank. I'm, I'm standing where my uh, living room was, and it's not here because my house is gone, and it's an Ultimart. You can never go home again, Oatman. But I guess you can shop there. Oh. Pick up! I know you're there, Oatman! You got any ideas that you want to wax this guy? Can't you just say kill? You always gotta romanticize it. Go, 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 go. Marcella, never mind that. Find out where my mother is. I want my mom. Another great part of the supporting cast is uh, having Barbara Harris playing Martin's mom, who is now in a nursing home of some sort, though it seems like more of a psychiatric hospital. Martin is trying to figure out what happened to his house, but he can't get any answers from his mom, who either has dementia or Alzheimer's. And actually, this would be Barbara Harris's final film. So Martin decides to visit Debbie again, but finally he finds the courage to go in the uh, radio station and where she works. And the, again, the two dated in high school, and we find out that, of course, he stood her up at the prom night, and nobody in town ever saw him again until now. 
Martin's back. Hey, I'm Debbie Newberry. And stand by your phones because any time now I'll be giving away tickets to see Palace this Saturday night in concert at Cobo Hall. You can call in for tickets or just show up at Cobo Hall and say my name. No, I'm just kidding. Hi. Oh, uh, and here's the specials doing one of their songs. Martin. I know who you are. You're not dead. Hi. Hi. Shake my hand. How are you? How long has it been? Ten years? How long has it been? Since you stood me up on prom night and vanished without a word? Yeah. Ten years, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You tell me about yourself. In California, travel a lot around on business. That's it? Yeah. That's ten years? Yeah. I would hope for a great abduction story or something. Had a few thrilling moments here and there, but, you know, just flew by. So, what's your business? Professional killer. Do you get dental with that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I gotta go. I really love this scene where Debbie interviews Martin on air and asks her listeners to call in to decide whether or not to take him back. So Martin feels like he's being followed the whole time he's in town. And actually he is by Hank Azaria, who is either CIA or NSA, I'm not sure. So even though he's being followed, he does still go around town and Martin ends up running into his old friend, played by Jeremy Piven. Is it me or does Piven always come off like a douche in every single movie? And supposedly it's likely not an act either from the stories I've read. Anyway, Piven plays a real estate agent who hates his life and decides to smoke a joint while Martin is driving around. In, re in reality, John, John Cusack and Jeremy Piven were high school friends, much like the movie's storyline. I'm sorry about the temper. No, I, I, was just, I, don't, I don't even... Yeah. Listen, I, I don't usually pimp my friends, but I got a, an excellent piece of property I think you might want to look at. I got a few minutes. Listen, I got to get something off my chest. Have you been home to see the old house? Yeah. You yeah. torn down in the name of convenience. Yeah, uh, I, I I brokered the deal. I tried to wow. get a, I tried to get a family in there, but wow. uh, Ultimart made the best offer. Well, thank so. you for profiting on my childhood. Take a look at this uh, new listing. Debbie's house. Yeah. It's kind of crept up on you, didn't it? No, you drove us here. Yep. So, uh, so how's the family, man? Oh, you didn't know? Of course you don't know. You no, know I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, parents are divorced. 
They got divorced? Yeah, my dad's shacking up with this woman. She's like 20 years younger than him. She's like a biscuit older than me. It's ugly. My mom's oh. making ceramic nightlights. Takes like the plain shells and How's your sister? Did you, ever, did you ever marry that guy, Kenny? Kenny? Yeah. I mean, did that ever work out? <laughs> Come on, man. He did three years at Joliet. They put one of those bracelets on him. Like a low jack, you know? They know where he is at all times. I think he's at Pizza Hut right now. So let's not go there. No. So you look good. You seem good. Thank you. You may have, uh... Ten years, man! Ten! Where have you been for ten years? I freaked out. Joined the army. Went into business for myself. I'm a professional killer. Oh, does that... Do you have to do postgraduate work for that? Or can you can you jump right in? I'm curious about that. It's an, it's an open market. Open market? Yeah. That's good. Wow. Ten years, man! Ten, ten years, ten years, ten, ten years, ten years. I freaked out. I joined the army. I worked for the government. I went into business with myself. I'm a professional killer. That's what I did. Okay. Well, can I join up? Yes. There's a great shootout scene where a hitman tries to take out Martin at his old house, now the convenience store. The clerk at the convenience store is completely oblivious, playing an arcade game with headphones on, while Ace of Spades from Motorhead blasts away. job mini driver is just perfect in this role and you can't help but be smitten with her even when she is tries to be mean and not interested there's a charm and wittiness that she has there's another great marcella scene where martin is trying to figure out who's following him no pseudonym steve is a redshirt tailback from ohio state mccullers all-american wrestler from northwestern mba from the same what are they doing here well, they're domestic covert operatives for the NSA up there as part of a new Get Tough on Terror campaign. They're looking for an Oswald, Patsy to take the fall. Grocer fed them you. Grocer set me up. Surprise? No. Well, they were supposed to catch you in the act, but I guess they weren't quick enough, right? Who's the ghoul? Well, this guy is a badass. Felix Lapoubelle. An accomplished amateur with the Basque Nationalists. Few odd jobs with the Algerian separatists. Went pro with a stunning debut aboard an elite Caribbean cruise line. Oh, that's where I know from. He's an asshole. Did loan outs for Lickenbacken. Enjoys uh, Native American art, ballroom dancing, pornography. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What is he here for? It's part of that Oregon snafu with that dog, Boudreaux. 
So you're going to get out of there, right? I mean, that's not right, right? You got to get out of there, right? You're on a flight tonight, right? Isn't done. This is not good. I'll do it tomorrow. It's fine. Sir, I'm beginning to worry about your safety. Look, I have to go. Yeah, we all have to go sometimes, sir, but we can choose when. No one chooses when. And then finally, we get a showdown about what's going on with Aykroyd in a great scene in a restaurant. So bad luck for Boudreau and bad luck for blank. Poodle pumper. <laughs> Hound hitter. <laughs> Pooch puncher. Well, let's not talk about Boudreau, huh? What about those two guys in a Caprice Classic outside? The word is you turn two governments on me, you turn code. Me? You. Goji? Yes. On you? Yes. Never. Listen, I don't get our relationships straight for a minute. I ain't getting to this business having relationships. I don't want to join your goddamn union, all right? Loner, lone gunman, get it? That's the whole point. I like the lifestyle, the image, look at the way I dress. Why don't you become a cop or something? You can have coffee in the morning with friends. Look, this is a one-on-one business. The minute you start relationships, bad things start happening. <sighs> It'll make you feel any better. I think this is my last job. So what do you say with that? What do you say we put away our guns? And forget the whole goddamn thing and have some breakfast, all right? No scabs. From now on, all arrangements, all contracts, all engagements are regulated. You got it? We'll meet the new boss. Yes. No deal. Okay. But we're not going to let you do your little job here. No? No. Because we're going to do it for you. Is that right? And after we do your job, we're going to do another little job. Tell me about it. Like I'm going to put a bullet hole in your fucking forehead and I'm going to fuck the brain hole. Nice talk, sugar mouth. All right. You have the knot on it. <laughs> All right, now it's time for the reunion, and Cusack has to figure out what he's going to tell everyone that he does for a living. I think everyone, you know, when it comes to high school reunion, wants to lie about their jobs because these things are so dumb and it's all posturing, which is probably why I haven't bothered to attend any of my reunions. If you want to know what's going on, folks, and I used to go to high school with you, just listen to the fucking podcast. (laughs) What do you have? Again, I don't have anything in common with these folks because I didn't bother to stay in contact with them in the first place. If I had bothered to, I'd probably still be hanging out with you, right? Anyway, enough with the therapy. Global. Marcella Oban's not returning my calls. I need you to find him right now. Try his office, try the car, try his club, but I need you to find him. I'm already late for the reunion, okay? Okay, okay. Patch him through the landline. This thing's running low on batteries. All right. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I, uh, I'm a pet psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah. I, I sell couch insurance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, and, I, and, I, and I test market positive thinking. And I lead a weekend men's group. We specialize in ritual killings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look, you look great. God, yeah, yeah. Hi, hi, how are you? Yeah, how are you? How are you? Yeah, hi. Hi, I'm Martin Blank. You remember me? I'm not married. I don't have any kids. I'd blow your head off if someone paid me enough. Open. Listen, don't hang up. All right, I didn't kill anyone, uh, except some guy tried to kill me, so if I see that guy again, I'm definitely going to kill him, but I'm not going to kill anyone else, you know, except maybe the guy I was sent here to kill, I don't know, but anyway, I saw Debbie. I'm on my way to the reunion with Debbie, but I'm just feeling a little anxious. I still want to do a phone room. Okay, repeat after me. I am at home with the me. I am rooted in the me who was on this adventure. 
I'm at home with the me. I'm rooted in the me who is on this adventure. Good. Well, take a deep breath and realize that this is me breathing. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm confused. You don't understand. You want me to say it or you want me to realize it? There's a funny scene with Martin and Debbie's father as Martin picks her up before the reunion. Mr. Newberry, it's uh, Martin Blank. Good evening. Oh. How are you? Good evening, Mr. Blank. Sir? You've beaten the millennia. I lose my bet. Yeah, well, it's completely unavoidable, sir. So, just wanted to say hello and, you know, ask you how you are. Martin. How's business? Tricks? I don't know where you've been since you abandoned my daughter ten years ago. And I don't care. It's good that you left. I'm glad that you did. You've grown up a bit. Did I have you figured wrong? Well, I don't know. I mean, I hope so. I visualized you in a haze as one of those slackster, flannel-wearing, coffeehouse misanthropes I've been seeing in Newsweek. No, no, no. I went the other road. Uh, six figures, doing business with lead pipe cruelty, mercenary sensibility, you know, sports, sex, no real relationships with anybody. How about you? How the year's been treating you? Well, you know me, Martin, the same old sellout, exploiting the oppressed. Sure. Ah, uh, what a piece of work is man. How noble... Oh, fuck it. Let's have a drink and forget the whole damn thing. I'd love to, but um, we're a little bit late, so I just wanted to say hello and, you know, wish you the best. What have you been doing with your life? Uh, professional killer. Oh, good for you. It's a growth industry. In any case, even if I will probably never attend a reunion, I will always have this film to remind me why I made the correct choice. Making small talk with people who you haven't seen in years, I can't think of anything worse. I love seeing Jenna Elfman in a neck brace, and this was actually an homage to Sixteen Candles when Joan Cusack's character actually wore a neck brace during the film. This was also Jenna Elfman's film debut. Hey, last time I saw him, he was in here. I know. Look at him. Hey, what's your name? Bobby. Hey, will, will it's if I hold up? No, no, we love it. Such a good little monster. Hey, Bunny. Are you tired? Are you tired, little one? Here we go. 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 Here we Yes, yeah, so yeah, I saw you guys talk. Yeah, we didn't hey, talk. Yeah. Did you get a pen from Ken? Yes, I did. Computer guy. Right, Bob. How you doing? Dan Koretsky. I saw you over to your dad's dealership. Yeah, yeah. so BMWs. You guys remember Bob Seppala? Oh, sure. 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 Debbie Radio. <laughs> Bobby Beamer. <laughs> you want to do some blow? What an incredibly sweet gesture, but I think I'll pass. Hi, Bob. It's me, Martin, from high school. I'm drawing a complete blank. <laughs> hate to see it. I hate that. Should I have recurring dreams about you? Did I tell you that? Like five nights a week for like six years. Did I tell you that? You know, yesterday on the radio. When you publicly humiliated me? Yeah, well, you know, no less than you deserve. 
I think... I think I was overly harsh when I said that you were broken. Uh, really? How so? I don't think you're broken. No? I think you're... mildly sprained. <laughs> Nothing that can't be mended. Wow. I think, I think that's a compliment. Yeah. What was I going to say? That you're glad you came back and you're real happy to see me. Yeah, I am. I definitely am. Sorry if I fucked up your life. It's not over yet. Do you have a wife in Arkansas? No. Do you want to dance? Sure. Okay. God help you if you run into Mr. Cokehead, who now runs a car dealership. <laughs> Hi, Bob. Debbie Newberry, huh? You gonna hit that shit again? Fine, Bob, how are you? <laughs> Real smart. Come on. Let's see a smart shower with my foot up your ass. Do you really believe? that there's some stored up conflict that exists between us. There is no us. We don't exist. So who do you want to hit, man? It's not me. And what do you want to do here, man? I don't know what that is. These are my words. It's a poem? See, that's the problem. Express yourself, Bob. Go for it. When I feel quiet. When I feel blue. You know, and I think that is terrific. What you have right there. Really, I like that. Just, I wouldn't sell the. I wouldn't sell the dealership or anything, but I'm telling you, it's intense. It's more. Okay. What, do you mind just skip to the end? To the very end. For a while. That's good, man. Mm -hmm. For a while. That's excellent. 
You want to do some blow? No, I don't. There's some great songs during the reunion scenes. I love We Care A Lot by Faith No More. That's playing as Martin and Debbie enter the reunion. That quickly transitions to Take On Me, then Walking Like an Egyptian, Under Pressure, Cities in the Street from Susie and the Banshees, Let My Love Open the Door by Pete Townsend, the song Go, which is totally underrated from Tones on Tales, uh, El Matador from the Los Fabulosos Cadillacs, Let It Whip from the Daz Band, Mirror in the Bathroom, which is from the English Beat. Great, great uh, song playing during the, the tremendous fight scenes. Uh, 99 Left Balloons from Nana, and then Doors of Your Heart by the English Beat. You gotta love the 80s, and as good as the movie is, the music is equally stellar. So the plot kind of plays itself out after the reunion, and if you really want to know what happens, you need to watch the movie. I'm telling you, it's really worth it. But I will say the use of the Pogues, Lorca's Novenia was well used in a key moment. All right, some fun facts. In addition to Joan, John Cusack's uh, two other siblings uh, appear in the film, Anne and Bill. George Armitage originally planned to shoot the high school scenes at Gross Point South High, but was unable to get permission from the school board. They felt it would be inappropriate to show someone graduating from Gross Point school system and then become a hitman. According to Joan Cusack, War Inc. from 2008 is an informal sequel. Both films are similar in style and theme, and star John Cusack is an assassin, and his sister is his assistant again, with Dan Aykroyd in a supporting role. I haven't seen that, but maybe I'll check it out now. And if you're wondering the body count, 14. All right, we got two guests on here. First, Sonny Pooney, and then Metal Mike Tyler. Hope you enjoy. We'll talk to you next week. All right, we're back, and we have Sonny Pooney back on. Hey, Sonny. How's it going, man? I'm great. So we're going to talk about the movie Gross Point Blank. Now, did you see this when it originally came out in 1997? Uh, I did not see it in the theaters. Uh, I probably saw it a couple of years later in on a rental because the 90s were all about music for me. Mm. And uh, I was still, you know, you're, I was in my early 20s, you just kind of, getting into relationships and blah, blah, blah. So I really didn't have time to go to theaters. So I did a lot of movie watching via rentals. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you, when you did see it, what about it did you like? And I got to imagine you like the, the music, the soundtrack's pretty awesome. The soundtrack is amazing. I am a huge Cusack uh, fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and this ended up actually being my, one of my favorite movies of all time. Really? And yeah. And the way I kind of gauge, one of my favorite movies of all time is will I watch it every time it's on TV or cable? Mm-hmm. Will I watch it pulling it out of the DVD bin? Cause I'm bored today, right? Will I watch it even if it's already halfway through on the cable channel, because I know it so well, I can pick up. I've probably seen this movie 200 times. Wow. wow. I absolutely love this movie. And from the first time I saw it, when I can see clearly now it starts up and he's ready to basically commit murder here, oh yeah right and he's talking to he's talking to his assistant on the phone they're talking about you know the the um the high school reunion that's about to happen and i'm just like wow this is going to be a great movie <laughs> yeah it's it's by far the epitome of a dark comedy i mean it's it's pitch black and uh, what a cast so of course you have john cusack but to me and we did an episode on our favorite character actors and actresses and by far joan cusack's up there everything she's in uh she steals the show even though she's never the star she is the epitome of a terrific supporting actress i agree and i'm actually not a huge mini driver fan like i've seen her in a couple of films like goldeneye and goodwill hunting and i just for whatever reason never connected to her 
But mm-hmm. in this movie, she absolutely does great because she's so pissed off, and she should be, right? Oh, yeah. That, like, nobody's given her enough credit that I've got to deal with this guy who disappeared 10 years ago. <laughs> well, yeah, and this is, really was her breakout role. Uh, this kind of really put her on the map. She had, Sure, she had been in things before this, mo- I think mostly TV. Uh, but, yeah, this this was a perfect setting with her. She was the perfect... Uh, Person, I always enjoyed it because at the time I was in college and my major was, of course, radio broadcasting, and she was on the radio in this small town in Gross Point. So that was that was kind of like my, my ideal situation, you know, this little radio station, this little radio show that she had, which was really cool. Yeah, what what helped me connect, you know, first it's a very clever movie, and oh, I yeah. love the clever dark con- comedies. I don't need the laugh track, you know. I want to kind of find out why it's funny, and you. Every time you watch it the first 10 or 20 times, you catch different things because of subtle humor. Um, the other part that happened is it's a 10-year re- reunion, which makes a reunion in 1986, which is my graduation year. Right, right. So right. that connected, too. So then all the music connected. There's no doubt about that. And then, you know, there's there's people thinking I'm doing this job currently. Right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's a good point. The- <laughs> <laughs> people think I'm an assassin now the way I travel. I know. Um, you're all over the place. We never yeah. pin you down. Yeah. But uh, no, there's just so many great scenes. There's just so many great one-liners that uh, I, I remember and I try to use anytime I can, right? And uh, just, yeah, I love this movie. So what's your go-to uh, dialogue from this movie, quotes? Um, I really love the one where uh, Minnie says, you're a psycho. Mm-hmm. And he says, don't run to judgment on something like that till all the facts are in. Right. I've been, <laughs> right. I've been called a psycho tons of time. Uh, I love the, when she calls him a psychopath later on, he goes, no, no, the psychopath kills for no reason. I kill for money. <laughs> right? And then he tries to correct himself real quick. Right. That's so right. It's just like those and the argument I've wanted to order an egg white omelet and then say, I don't want anything in it to see what the waitress would say back to me. Right. Right. <laughs> no, that's a great, that's a great scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, and then we got to get into the, the character, the, the side actor. So of course, John Cusack's the main, you know, the, the, co- the starring uh, person, then Minnie driver, but then you have the sub characters like Alan Arkin as his psychiatrist, uh, Dan Aykroyd as the other, his competitive hitman. Of course, we've already mentioned Joan Cusack. And then you get to see Jeremy Piven who basically plays the same guy in every in every movie <laughs> so yeah what did you think about all the other uh, characters in this film i think dan Aykroyd does a great job being grocer i mean that it, the it completely fits him and he's so cold-hearted right willing to basically do anything to succeed oh, yeah. uh, the character really fits him um jeremy piven the character really fits him I, I one of my favorite uh scenes in the movie is when they're in the car and they've just uh They've just seen each other, basically. And Jeremy, you know, tokes up the joint. And then yeah. right in the middle, it's like, 10 years! 10 <laughs> years, right? That, that whole, it finally hits him. It's like, where the hell have you been? And why won't you tell me? And Kuzak is trying to be honest, but nobody believes him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, wh- how could you? I mean, it's like you, <laughs> when you tell the truth, they're not going to take it as truth. You know, they, that you see that kind of trope a lot. Where it's like, ah, just tell them the truth, and everyone thinks you're joking. No yeah, doubt. Th- and then... Yeah. The scene where um, he fires Alan Arkin, you know, I want you to take a deep breath yes. and hear the sound of me firing you or whatever he <laughs> says there. Um, so I, I think Alan Arkin does a great job in the movie, too. So there's the side, Joan Cusack, oh, my God. Oh, when yeah. she gets pissed off about the order being wrong, 
Like she goes from this nice lady to this fierce assistant that's going to do anything for her boss, right? To helping her, I think her sister with a recipe. Yep. I don't know. It's just, uh, there, there's some great actors in this movie. It is, and it's a really well-written script. The dialogue's great. Uh, even Minnie Driver's uh, father in, in that film, uh, he, he's great as a side character, you know? Because, of course, if people don't know, I mean, he, after he left her, not at the altar, but he left her at the prom altar. He didn't show up and uh, because they were dating in high school, and that was like his long-lost love, and he just kind of goes away. And they never really explain it in the movie, too. You kind of have to dig and kind of come up with your own idea of what happened. I mean, they kind of allude to it, but that's the fun part about this movie. It's just basically he just re-shows up, and, and all of this kind of happens at once. Yeah, and, you know, the whole the second kill he has to do, he has to go to Plan B, right? Which, right. by the way, Plan A was a great plan. Mm-hmm. Right? That's like one of the best plans I've seen in a movie for an assassin. Oh, yeah. Um, so, it reminded me of a scene I saw in The Professional one time. I think it was very similar, but um, so he has to go to plan B and, you know, then they're not happy with plan B because it wasn't, uh, well, it was very public, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it exactly. It wasn't supposed to be, right? So that's kind of the catalyst for having to go to Detroit anyway. But I thought it was interesting that there's people driving non-American cars in Detroit, which is a little dangerous, especially in the mid-90s where <laughs> <laughs> the Detroit was kind of dying a slow death as Toyota and Honda and BMW was was coming but uh yeah. it's interesting very interesting all right let's go back into the music so yeah the soundtrack wise as you said i can see clearly i think a lot of people uh rediscovered blister in the sun from this movie from uh, the violent femmes if you're a fan of like kind of 80s new wave uh and there is some heavier stuff of course Mo- uh, ace of spades playing when the uh, convenience store blows up and uh there is uh, guns and roses doing live and let die but there's some great great uh 80s song 80s music in here, whether it be Akin and the Bunny Man and, and people like that. Yeah, I would say it's mostly 80s synth pop and 90s alt rock. Yeah. Probably the, and they released a second soundtrack because the first one did so well. Right. Kind of like what they did with Days and Confused. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I definitely, if you're a fan of 80s music, uh, definitely check out this soundtrack. And I think if you're a fan of 80s in general, this will resonate with you because it's also, at the time, modern. But then it had that retro feel, kind of like what's going on now with a lot of uh, retro 80s television shows, whether it be Stranger Things or the Goldbergs or things like that. Yeah. yeah. This movie absolutely holds up, though. Oh, I agree. Like, this movie could be released tomorrow, and I think it would do well in the theaters. I absolutely agree. I think uh, it wasn't ahead of its time. It was actually the perfect time for this to be released. Uh, unlike, let's say, uh, Heathers, the movie Heathers, when that came out, I think it was still too early in the late 80s, early 90s to really take off. But I think if Heathers was released when Gross Point Blank came out, it would have done equally as well because it's the same kind of dark, uh, dark comedy. Yeah. And in today's standards, maybe it's different in 97, but it surprises me that it's rated R. Like PG-13 was a rating in sure. 97. I'm surprised it wasn't rated PG-13. Well, the the I, the violence is kind of graphic when when people get killed and everything, especially that final fight scene uh, with Cusack. I I think that may have led to the R rating. So again, this the uh, the rating board is a little odd, especially now. I think if you if you do a couple more than one fuck, you automatically get an R rating. So. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure. Where you look back in history, like. The Blues Brothers was rated R, and that's crazy because really, besides language, there is nothing, especially nowadays, that movie is completely tame, but it was rated R back then. 
Oh, yeah. Today, it would be PG. Easily. Easily. Yeah. But then you had Airplane, which was rated uh, PG, and there was a topless scene. So, yeah, go, go I figure. <laughs> I don't get it either. <laughs> okay. Any other great, any other thoughts about Gross Point Blank? Well, if this is going to be my last thought, then I got to end the right way. Just like uh, Bobby Beamer would say at the end of his poem, for a while. <laughs> All right, it's been way too long, but we finally got him back after a lengthy hiatus. It's DJ Metal Mike Tyler from ThatMetalStation.com. Of course, you can hear him every Friday starting at 6 p.m. Eastern, all the way till, well, whenever he wants to stop, because that's DJ Metal Mike. We love him. He's back. He loves his movies. Welcome back. Hey, brother. Thanks for having me, man. And uh, thank you for all the kind words. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You're a friend of the show. You've always been supportive of the podcast. And I'm on that metalstation.com as well. So thanks to you. I, I'm actually there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- you know, I started listening to your podcast. And then, more importantly, I heard you on Rock and Metal Combat podcast. And I'm like, man, this guy would make an awesome DJ. So, <laughs> yeah. And I-, I asked you like quite a while back. And then you were like, well, I don't know if I have the time. And then. Out of the blue, you were like, hey, dude, I'd love to do a blues-based hard rock show. And I'm like, the gig is yours, bro. Oh, and it worked and out perfectly. The rest is history, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't be happier, and uh, the yeah, two you... kind of go hand in hand. So you are on, because we're going to talk about Gross Point Blank from 1997. Now, did you see this when it first came out, or was this, uh, you know, you heard about it, then home, home video type of thing? It was, I heard about it. I mean, I've always been a John Cusack fan. Mm-hmm. Uh Ever since his uh, Better Off Dead days and all those movies, you know, that he did. But, yeah, for some reason, I didn't either Gross Point Blank kind of missed my radar when it came out, or I just didn't get around to seeing it. And my dad rented it, and I watched it with him, and we both just loved it, man. We thought it was very, um, I mean, the dialogue, just very sharp, intelligently written, very funny, but yet serious at the same time. Just a really cool movie, man. So how often do you go back to watch this? Or is this something that, you know, if it's on, you'll check it out? Or if one of your good buddies that has a podcast tells you to go watch it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what a combination of all three. Uh, okay. I have watched Gross Point Blank more than once. But I have to be honest, it had been a while since I'd seen it. But the sure. one thing I had noticed is whenever I'd see it on TV, I wasn't, I couldn't just turn it off. You know what I mean? I, I would at least end up watching part of the film if not the rest of it you know whenever right. i'd come across it and then of course like you know when you're your homeboy's like hey man i'm doing a podcast on this <laughs> movie i'm like okay so i did i did freshen up on it because it had been a while since i seen it and, and once again laughed at all the it's such a good movie man yeah so it held up just as well seeing it recently than it did the first oh, time definitely yeah. definitely for me it did anyway i can't speak for anybody else but yeah so let's get into like the actors and whatnot who who really stood out for you and what uh you know what were the lines of the scenes that really resonated with you <laughs> well dan Aykroyd, i think kind of stole the movie uh-huh. he was great man like and it's funny like you wouldn't think of dan Aykroyd as a hitman, you know like hit no. but it worked it worked, and just uh, just the way he delivered his lines. Uh, some of my favorite scenes is like when him and John are in the restaurant, mm-hmm. and they're 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 like fucking eyeing each other up, and they're going back and forth. And that's what I loved about the dialogue, because it's like boom, 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 back and forth. And I love that part where he's 
saving many drivers dad and he just said i'm saving your life either because i'm in love with your daughter or i have a newfound respect for life and right. then right then you got dan following going that punk's either in love with that guy's daughter or he has a newfound respect for life i <laughs> fucking love that shit man that was great um but I don't know. There was a lot of really cool parts to the movie that I, I really liked. And the fight scenes were fun, phenomenal. Oh, too. terrific. And the use of music during yeah, those scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really, really cool. And I mean, obviously, as a, you know, I grew up, you know, the, my formative years were the 1980s. So right. I remember a lot of that music, you know. Yeah, so it's yeah, a great a movie. It was a good mixture of like kind of that new wave part, a little synth pop. But then you <laughs> also had heavy stuff like they played Ace of Spades at the, at yeah. the convenience store. And, uh, right, the shootout, yeah. which I love. I yeah. love that part, man. And that fucking idiot's playing the video. has no clue what's going on. Exactly. He's got his headphones on. Shit's blowing up all around him. Oh, man, good stuff. And there was a great little thing where they would play Live and Let Die, the Guns N' Roses version. And then uh, all of a sudden, when he entered the convenience store, which was actually his house when he was growing up, it got turned into a convenience store. It transitions to kind of the, you know, the elevator version of Live and Let Die. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. which was hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah, there's just little touches like that that I love. And I really like, uh, like, one of my favorite parts, and again, is when he's uh, at the reunion and he runs into that gal that he knew who had the little baby with her. Yes. And you hear Queen and, and uh, David Bowie's under pressure mm-hmm. playing. He's just looking at the little kid and like kind of yeah. tripping on it. And the kid smiles at him. And it was it was really cool, man. Like I said, it was a good movie. I've been a John Cusack fan for a number of years. I usually try to check out whatever he's doing. Fun, funny stuff, man. Like I said, I love the shootout. I also love the fight with him and the guy in the hallway, the guy that's after him and the when he goes to see his, his old locker yes, and, yes. and that assassin tries to kill him and, and then he stabs him with a pen. That, that oh, was yeah. awesome. Terrific. Yeah. And, and I'd be remiss. They're amazing character actors in this film, whether it be Alan oh, Arkin yeah. or his sister, Joan Cusack. Uh, Who was Jeremy great. Piven. Yeah. Jeremy Piven. Piven was great too, man. You know, like where he's all like being all casual. He's oh my God, man, where the fuck have you been, dude? Yeah. Like he just like has a meltdown on him. Uh, I thought Minnie Driver was great. And, you know, it's funny. I, I don't understand why she don't get more work. It's like she was really hot there for a while. Yep. She's in a bunch of movies, and then poof, she just disappeared, man. Yeah, Hollywood is fickle. Hollywood's yeah. fickle. Yeah, yeah. It's really weird about that, man, because I think she's a good little actress. Oh, I think she's great. And, uh, yeah, this – I, you know, I like doing – again, the, the reason these movies get picked is they're in my DVD collection, so it's completely right. random. So I have to enjoy them at some point. Uh, there are going to be some movies I don't enjoy because they're simply in box sets or something like that. But for the most part, I have to like them. And so it's fun to pull out movies like this that, you know, maybe oh, some people have seen, but it's not like a huge, huge blockbuster. So I think this right. is definitely worth people uh, to check out if you want something that isn't, you know, your typical normal type of comedy. Oh, definitely. It's a very quirky film and yeah. total cult, cult film like it's a cult it's got a huge cult following you know it's one of those type of movies that uh you either get it or you don't i got it my dad loved it mm-hmm. um you know we just thought it was hilarious uh but it's not like a ha ha i don't know it's a weird kind of it's kind of a black comedy i guess is really oh, totally how you is. describe it you know yeah. because like and i love the part where he would like be totally they'd be like what do you been doing with yourself oh you know join the military 
learned how to kill for the government, became a freelancer. And they're all like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. it's no big deal, you know? Like, I guess they think he's full of shit or lying or whatever. And Well, even when he uh, tries to admit what he does, nobody believes him because who would right. believe that he's a hitman? <laughs> so. Right. And, and then I like the part where towards the end, um, Mini Driver's dad's like, well, he's got, you know, he's got my blessings if he wants to marry you yeah. <laughs> because he saved his life, you know? Yeah, good stuff, man. It's funny because John, John Cusack's in a lot of these kind of dark horse movies, whether it be High Fidelity or mm-hmm. say, even Say Anything for the most part. That's kind of maybe his biggest hit. But then, you know, something like um, Better Off Dead, another cult classic. You uh, know? $2. Yeah, exactly. Or the Van Halen and Hamburger, you know. Well, oh, I love that scene. Yeah. I love that scene. But, you know, it's funny. My my bet, one of my oldest friends in the world, he's like a brother to me. Mm-hmm. His name's Brian Honaker, Big B. I'm giving you a shout out, Brian. He recently just met John. Oh, okay. And got his his profile pic is with him and John Cusack. And when he posted it, everybody said the same, two dollars. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> you know, or there were lines from some of his movies. I mean, because he does have a lot of, you know, he's made a lot of good movies. I I, I like John. I always have, you know. Yeah. Sister was great in, the, in her role too, man. She was oh, I hilarious. Think she's one of the best character actors around. Like, easily. like when she, she was the one that kept trying to push him to go to the reunion. At first, he's like, "I'm not going to no damn reunion. Leave me alone. Mind your own business," you know. Yeah. And Alan Arkin as a psychiatrist was hilarious. Oh, terrific, terrific, great, great movie. Well, as always, Mr. Metal Mike, thank you so much for joining us, and what you're going to be I on just again. Real say soon. one thing, though, sure, Brian, sure, yeah. In the future, just try your best not to kill anybody. Yeah. I do my best. I do my best. (laughs) Thank you again, man. No problem, brother.
Hey, this is Brian Davis, and you might know me from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. And now, get ready for the Bad Beat Show on ThatMetalStation.com from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. I'm going to play some kick-ass hard rock inspired by the blues, because after all, the foundation of all things rock and metal is, of course, the blues. So join me every Wednesday night for the Bad Beat, because even when you lose, you still win. We are officially on Spotify now, so if you don't use iTunes, if you don't use the Podbean app, you can go to Spotify and get all of our past episodes. You can stream it on there, so if you're a Spotify user, you can go find Damn Good Movie Memories. <laughs> I can't even say my own podcast. Damn Good Movie Memories. Yes, I know what I'm talking about. I'm the host, right? Okay, so go to Spotify, look for Damn Good Movie Memories. You can stream all of that stuff, and yeah, so if you don't want to use iTunes, you don't want to use Podbean, you can use Spotify as well. All right, before we sign off, we do have t-shirts are available for sale. All you have to do is go to tpublic, that's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com, and you can get your very own Damn Good Movie Memories t-shirt. You can get all sizes, any gender, you can get whatever you want just at the tip of your fingers. So just go to tpublic.com, look up Damn Good Movie Memories, and you can get your very own t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for damn good movie memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. This is Stephen Michael from the Growing Up Rock Podcast. If you're like me and my co-host, Sonny Hollywood Pooney, you grew up loving hard rock and metal music. Check out our podcast where we talk to bands and artists that help create the soundtrack to our lives, along with playing some killer new and old deep tracks of kick-ass guitar-driven rock and roll. Find us wherever you find your podcast to listen to, That's the Growing Up Rock Podcast, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. And feel free to hit us up at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Growing Up Rock. So sit back and crank it up. I am Dr. Fuck. And I'm the actual alcoholic. And we are part of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That's right. And the way you can check us out is we are on iTunes and also Podbean. And we forgot a review recently. I got this review right here. It says right here, it says, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast is the greatest podcast in the world. And it's my number one podcast signed by... Science. Now, and then science also says... Science! Science also said, my second favorite podcast is 
It doesn't matter. The rest suck. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on iTunes and Poppy. Check it out. Science! Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault on Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>